This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Uh, tons that would still be up from the previous year. Wheat was mixed. Uh, Minneapolis spring wheat up two cents in March at 643 per bushel. Kansas City also higher two cents at uh, 639 per bushel. But Chicago wheat down three cents in the March contract at 667 per bushel. News that Russia is planning on raising wheat export taxes once again was supportive. The International Grain Council raised its estimate for world wheat production this year by 3 million tons at 768 million. That's a look at the, U- at the uh, ice futures and U.S. markets for Friday, January 15th. In Winnipeg, for Markets Farm, I'm Phil Franz Workington. See more and do more in a new 300 series compact track loader from New Holland. Its industry leading 360 degree visibility is truly something to see at Butler Farm Equipment in Fort St. John. With its reverse camera and 8 inch multifunction LCD display, super boom lift technology, rock solid stability, and redesigned controls, you'll work with greater speed, safety, and precision. Maximum productivity starts with a clear view. Stop by Butler Farm Equipment in Fort St. John today and see how a new 300 series compact track loader helps you do more the opinions expressed during this show do not represent those of this station if you've missed any of this show you can follow the podcast at energeticcity.ca now an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community this is moose talks with your host doug craig on moose fm Welcome to another episode of the show. A little later on, we're going to be joined by Heather Schoblum, the curator of the Fort St. John North Peace Museum. Uh, she is going to tell us a bit about a new exhibit they're going to have uh, coming up. Actually, I, I think it's open now, but uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. It's about railroads. Very excited for uh, that part of the show. Uh, but first, we're joined uh, to talk a bit about a local tech company that recently won an innovation award for its work in breaking down a freshwater pollutant with custom microbes. The company is called Fixter Solutions. And joining me now is their president, Tim Repass. Oh, I'm having some uh, uh, technical issues. Just a moment there. We'll have Tim on in just a second here. <laughs> Ah, there he is. I'm just going to turn on uh, uh, Tim's microphone here. Hi, Tim. There we go. (laughs) Oh, now I can't hear you. Now we're having lots of issues. Here you go. Tim, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. There we go. (laughs) Having a few technical issues this morning. Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. Tim, why don't we start a bit with about uh, or a bit about what you do at uh, Fixed Earth Solutions. What are you guys about? Yeah, so uh, we're a small biotech company. Uh, we've been in business for just over a year now, um, but some of the technologies we've been working on ten plus years. And, um, a big part of what we do is we go looking for microbes to do things like degrade pollution and uh, help plants grow better uh, on reclamation projects and in agriculture. Um, this particular technology uh, revolves around a pollutant. Uh, called PFAS, mm-hmm. um, perfluoroalkyl substances, which are kind of this growing uh, pollutant that's a, a huge concern. 
I see. I, I want to get to this kind of inf- innovation uh, that uh, you won an award for. So uh, f- you kind of touched on it. Why don't you explain uh, a bit about what PFOS is a little more and then and tell us what, what this innovation is that you guys uh, happen to come up with that, uh, that won an award. Yeah, so uh, PFOS are this kind of family of really stubborn and really toxic uh, chemicals. Um, they were widely used in a lot of industries, um, anything from manufacturing Teflon and Gore-Tex, which are things we all use every day, um, all the way up to being used in firefighting homes at airports and Air Force bases. Mm-hmm. Um, the tricky thing with them is they're just really stable in the environment. They're, they're really hard to get rid of, uh, and they're toxic in concentrations down at parts per trillion. Wow. So just tremendously low um, is where they start harming people. So you kind of combine those two things and you get this huge, huge issue. Um, so our innovation, and because they're really hard to break down, is looking for ways to break them down. And we kind of believe nature usually finds a way to do these things, and mm-hmm. it's just finding the right microbes and the right bacteria uh, that can do that. And that's what we were able to accomplish. Uh, we were able to come up with a way to get these microbes um, and prove in the lab uh, numerous times that they are breaking down these substances, not forming anything that's more toxic than what they started with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's fascinating. These microbes, did you, uh, you, could, you know, the story uh, that we wrote on energeticcity.ca referred to them as custom microbes. I, I don't know if that was your word or not, but I mean, is this, you found it by just kind of trial and error? You found a microbe that would eat this uh, substance essentially? Or did you kind of have to in, invent one, for lack of a better word? Yeah, we, we try to avoid engineering or genetically modifying uh, where, where we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we go looking, the reason we kind of use the word custom is we go looking for them on a case-by-case basis. Um, so rather than having one microbe we works everywhere on the planet, um, we go looking for them at each place that needs them um, and proving up in the lab that they work. Wow, that's fascinating. That must be a... Uh, I guess I guess my next question would be, how do you find out where these microbes are at work? Because I mean, you're as 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 I understand it, you're kind of a small uh, you know outfit, right? So you must be borrowing and and using kind of work that other people have done to be able to find out that these microbes work in these places and don't in others, right? Uh, a little bit, and for uh, for good and bad, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of. Most people say that these compounds can't be broken down by biology, uh, so there's actually not much work to go off of. So it definitely took some trial and error to piece together uh, how to do this and uh, some learnings along the way of the best way to do it. Um, but yeah, we find most sites that have this pollutant will have a microbe that can get it. It's just knowing how to get it out of the soil. Wow. And then and then now, now that you've got it, it's about, I guess, kind of, Again, for lack of a better word, mass producing it so that it can do it quickly and efficiently and when you want it to at a site that needs it, correct? Absolutely right. And it's yeah, growing up a big enough quantity to, to get out to these sites. And, um, of course, one of the big hurdles, too, is because there's kind of this idea that these compounds can't be broken down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really hard to convince people that you found a way to do it. Um, <laughs> so that's actually been one of the biggest challenges, just getting them out of the lab and into the real world. Um, but we've been fortunate that we have some people who have uh, been willing to hear us out and give us a try. Okay. I want to get back to that in a second, sort of making this a practical application. But the competition itself, um, how do you go about getting into this? Did you hear about it? Uh, is it sort of like, 
part of your uh, search for funding to kind of make your or situation work? Or did it inspire you to do this when you heard that there was a competition that was looking into solving problems of this nature? Yeah, uh, this particular competition kind of expects you to already have a half-thought-out idea to pitch to them. I see. Um, so we had a, what, at least one microbe in our collection that we knew was working for us, um, and we were referred to this competition. Someone we know said, you should apply for this, um, and so we did. And, of course, uh, part of it is, one, to show the world that this does work, uh, but also to go hunting for some funding, of course, getting through early stages of being a company where that's a little challenging. Oh, that's fascinating. Uh, then let's go back again to sort of the practical application of this, right? You've got this microbe. You've proved in the lab it's worked. How then do you, as you say, with the difficulty of convincing people that it's not just magic, it's not fantasy, that it actually works, how do you get it out so that it can start um, doing the business that it was designed to do? Yeah, a lot of cold calls. Um, you know, as as always, thankfully, we've got some partners in our business who seem to enjoy doing that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm happier in the lab here. Um, and the big thing is finding that first client here is out, which we have the state of Michigan uh, pick up the phone and believe that we weren't crazy. Um, <laughs> and they've actually gone and started referring us to other people and saying, oh, this does work. And when you have someone with that much clout kind of helping push you along, that, that's been a tremendous help. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's, that's right, except that's the harder part. A lot of cold calls and a lot of people saying that can't be done and hanging up on you. Um, and you know, smile and move on and hope the next guy's nicer. Uh, I mean, is this, it's a motivation behind finding something like this, is it? Do, would you say it's like an environmental, like you, you're like, I want, we want to try and do some good in, in that, you know, we want to clean up these sort of sites where these spills happen and they leach toxicity in the soil. Are you motivated by we want to do good for the earth? Is that sort of your primary reason for wanting to find solutions to these problems? Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, people should have clean water uh, and all ultimately, right? I, I think we all want that. Um, mm-hmm. For me personally, a little bit is I, I, I grew up in the state, uh, New Jersey in particular, where PFAS is a monumental problem. We grew up drinking PFAS-contaminated tap water. Um, mm-hmm. And so it gets pretty close to home, and that was a big part of, for this particular problem, of wanting to solve it and um, actually do some good. Now, and then in a situation where, again, just to bring it back locally, uh, is this something you think could see an application in a place like Fort St. John where, you know, we have lots of water, we have lots of oil and gas and, and resource extraction going on where spills can happen and, and, and yes. that can happen? Is this something that's uh, viable to be used around here, perhaps? Yeah, we've um, already, I mean... I think a huge part of why our business is succeeding is we, we've had a lot of local support um, and companies here have been receptive to to giving this sort of thing a try um, and at least seeing if it can work for them. Um, so the oil and gas companies have been really supportive and saying, we want to try the new things you're coming up with because it, it either does a better job or saves us some money or a bit of both. Um, why wouldn't we give it a try? And if it doesn't work, we can say we, we put in an effort. Um, so, yeah, we, we found Fort St. John to be incredibly supportive, and uh, that's why our lab is here and why we plan to be here for the long haul. 
Okay. And one final question for you. I saw that the, uh, as I understand it, was you guys were founded in 2019. So you haven't been around that long, the company anyway, or the, the business, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, developing this solution, these finding these custom, these microbes, did it really only take that long to kind of uh, make this happen? It's, it sounds like something that would take, you know, years and years and years to do. Yeah, I mean, part of it is um, I've been working in some form of microbes for 10 plus years now. Mm -hmm. um, so knowing, having some of the skill set going in definitely helps and does let you do some of it quicker. Uh, but a few of the microbes we're putting out to market at this point have been getting worked on for five, 10 years. Um, other ones are a couple weeks old. So. All right. Um, yeah. It's and uh, the winnings kind of from the uh, the warger you guys got, what are you going to use that for? <laughs> Yeah, um, well, I mean, there's always, of course, rent and things like that, sure. but there are opportunity for some equipment upgrades and um, the chance to hopefully, again, we have some clients where if we can get down there and meet them in person, look at their site, and we can get them to work, get this out into the world, and uh, it's a chance to buy the plane ticket, fly to these places, and talk to people. Excellent. As much as COVID will let us. Yes, yeah. so. <laughs> absolutely. And that should get easier as the year goes on. Well, Tim, I, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk to us about this. It's fascinating stuff. Uh, if you want more information, you can read the story we posted about it at energeticcity.ca. Tim, thanks for talking to us about this today. Yeah, thank you again. You're very welcome. That's Tim Repass, the president of Fixed Earth Solutions. All right, we're going to be talking to Heather Showbloom with the Fort St. John North Peace Museum right after this on Moose Talks. Who's a good doggy? The top three pets have been chosen in the voting process for Pet of the Month. Fort St. Johners, it's your turn to decide which pet gets that title. Here's one of the finalists. Luna likes racing around the house and performing sneak attacks on unsuspecting passerbys. When she isn't doing that, she becomes a regular shoulder parrot or box slash bag cat. She also likes knocking mom's plants down and causing a mess. Vote right now at moosefm.ca under contest. The owner of the pet that gets the most votes will win a $100 gift card to the North Peace Veterinary Clinic. Thanks to you. Right now, Panago has three new crave-worthy pizzas featuring delicious artichokes. Try them on the Capricos. Wait, how do you say this? Uh, capricciosa. Uh, it's uh, capricciosa. Oh, thank you. This meaty classic comes loaded with pepperoni. Genoa salami. No, no, it's Genoa. Emphasis on the J. Okay, gotcha. Genoa salami. Olives, mushrooms, and gooey mozzarella. Try the new Capricciosa pizza. How's that? Perfetto. Just $17 for a medium. Magnifico. Order yours at Panago.com. Nothing worse than hearing part of a conversation. I said, let's put the project on. If the cell service at camp or in the field sounds like an old movie that cuts in and out, then Petron can clear it up today. With a cell booster, your calls will be clear of... Pardon? What did you say? Huh? And... Can you hear me now? A booster in your facility will give you a clear, concise conversation that can't be misinterpreted. Call today and we'll clear up your call right away. Petron Communications, a clear choice for the North since 1978. Watch this show live on Facebook or download the podcast at energeticcity.ca. Welcome back to Moose Talks. We're going to talk a bit about North Peace and Railways now with the curator of the Fort St. John North Peace Museum, Heather Showbloom. Heather, good morning. Welcome to Moose Talks. 
morning. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. I'm uh, grateful you took some time out uh, to talk to us about this today. So uh, before we talk about the exhibit specifically, I thought uh, we'd talk a bit about the museum itself, if we could. Uh, I mean, you, you, I imagine you haven't been around at the museum since it opened, but maybe you can tell us a bit about the history of the museum in Fort St. John and, and kind of what that's about. So the museum is run by the North Peace Historical Society, and they were formed in 1965 as a group of individuals interested in preserving the history of the North Peace. And their first museum was at Peace Island Park in Taylor, Um, and that sort of existed throughout the 60s and early 70s. Um, And as one of the buildings there fell into disrepair and another one had burned down, uh, they started to look for a new home. So they had a temporary home here in Fort St. John in 1982 for the 40th anniversary of the Alaska Highway, where mm-hmm. whole wheat and honey, is. there was a little Alaska Highway Museum. And uh, sort of during the, the late 1970s and 1980s, they were looking for a permanent home and they applied for a bunch of grants. And that's how we ended up with the land that we have today. And our building was completed and open to the public in February 1984. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, you see, it was kind of an association, so it was mostly and always has been volunteer run, has it? hasn't it? And that is correct. Uh, our board of directors is all volunteers, and then usually throughout our history, we've had one full-time staff person and then some part-time summer students and so on. Uh, how do you acquire the information and, and how does the association acquire kind of the information and uh, items uh, that you put on displays for exhibits? Is it all kind of donations that you rely on from people in the association and people in the community when calls are put out for it or, or is there other methods of getting it? Primarily, it's what people choose to drop off at the museum. Sometimes we do put out calls such as calls for items related to COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, it's what people donate to us, and then the items go through our acquisition committee, who vets them to make sure that we don't have similar items already in our collection because we have limited space, that the items we're accepting are in good condition, and most importantly, that they have some kind of history in the North Peace. Wow, that's fascinating. Uh, well, why don't we get to this great exhibit you uh, have just kind of started up, I believe, in January here. Uh, it's called... I don't have it in front of me, but it's about railways in the North Peace. Uh, it's a fascinating subject, eh? It, it's called a rough journey because it was a rough journey in more <laughs> than one way. <laughs> both in terms of railways coming to this area very late and both in and as well as people traveling on not very comfortable sounding trains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't exactly uh, upper, uh, well, I guess, like uh, top class. I can't think of the name of it, but uh, uh, not not as comfortable as you would like it to be, I suppose. It's not even the, the first class cars yeah, no. that some of the people took in Alberta. The permanent way was so bad that it was really rocky, um, so it was hard to stay in your bunk, for example, as you were sleeping because it was a 25-hour journey from, from Edmonton uh, to the Peace Region of Alberta. Uh, so not very comfortable compared to some trains today. <laughs> I did want to ask you quickly about this because one person called in this morning, Roger, who's a big fan of my show. He said apparently he'd heard that you or heard this story that you could stand on... Uh, 
on the back of the caboose and look out behind you and watch the tracks coming up out of the muskeg after the train had uh, <laughs> got over. Have you heard stories about how the, the, I mean, it was just muskeg, as you said, rocky parts. It's tough, tough place to put a railway to. Yeah, that's that's not one of the stories I heard, but I'm not surprised. I had one one account of a railway in Alberta in the 1910s where uh, apparently the train car was so bad that a, a fellow passenger of this lady who, who writes the story was taking a screwdriver and putting screws everywhere so the car didn't come apart on them. <laughs> amazing. Amazing anyone made it here alive. Uh, well... There's more to that story. So the railway came from Edmonton, you said, kind of to the Alberta piece. Then then what happened? How long did it take to get from there to finally kind of make it to Dawson Creek and, and us and beyond? In 1931, the railway finally reaches Dawson Creek. Wow. And everybody in the piece is excited because at least you now, as a farmer, don't have to take your grain all the way to Hyde or to Spirit River in Alberta. Um, but still, it's a long journey. If you're trying to take cattle to rail... Um, for example, the Westergaard family took their cattle and made it a 10-day trip to Dawson Creek so that their cattle had plenty of time to graze on the way and wouldn't lose weight. Uh, and then uh, it's an even longer wait for us to actually get a railway that crosses the Peace River. Um, and this is the Pacific Great Eastern Railway. Um, the first spike for that railway went in in 1913, and it reached Quinell in 1921, but they couldn't cross the Cottonwood River. They had all sorts of technical challenges. So it didn't even reach Prince George until 52. Wow. Um, so finally, in 1958, uh, the train arrives in Fort St. John, and it's super exciting for farmers. No longer do you have to haul your grain to Dawson Creek. Um, it's estimated that it saves farmers at least $50, not to mention the trip there and back to Dawson Creek. Um, and it's also super exciting for people in this area. Uh, the Alaska Highway News at that time brags that you can finally step on a train in Fort St. John and step off in Vancouver. Uh, but unfortunately, that passenger service was short-lived. Uh, there were, It was a, a there were three trains a week that you could take to Vancouver, and then about four years later, in 1962, the passenger service comes to an end. Uh, so you have to then take a bus to Dawson Creek and another one to Prince George, and then catch the train down. So it, although the train continues to play an important part in industry here, we just never got the full benefits the way other communities did. Full passenger benefits. Do you know how long the uh, train ride from here to Vancouver was at the time? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. That's it okay. was it was a. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it would take some time. Well, why don't you tell us a bit about like what we we can expect to see in the exhibit? I know obviously uh, some of the stories that you've just uh, talked about will be available to be read, but what what are some of the items you've uh, been able to collect that uh, will help us see the visual part of the history of the railway in the North Beast? So our biggest item on display, um, which we're really happy that we finally have room to exhibit it somewhere, um, is a pretty giant uh, British Columbia Railway sign. So the British Columbia Railway replaced the, the Pacific Great Eastern Railway. Um, so this sign kind of caps off our exhibit, I guess. Uh, we also have a variety of smaller items. Um, we have a railway spike, we have a couple of railway uh, lanterns, one lantern and one lamp, um, and we've turned the, the 
explanation of our, our lanterns into a hands-on activity. So you can try out with a, a prop lamp uh, some of the hand signals that they would have used in the early days in the railroad yards. Oh, very uh, we also have a variety, yeah, we have a variety of, uh, of smaller booklets and so on, employee handbooks and maps and timetables, as well as a bunch of historic photographs of the trains in the Syriot. Wonderful. Well, it's like uh, everything at the museum is fascinating. Whether you think of yourself as a history buff or not, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, Heather, why don't you tell us when the uh, museum is open for people to come by, what it costs to get in, that sort of thing. Uh, the museum's open Monday to Friday, 10 to 4, and Saturday, 11 to 3, and these reduced hours just give us time to clean, thanks to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and admission is $7 for adults, uh, $6 for seniors, $4 for students, children 5 and under are free, um, and you can also get an annual membership and visit the museum for free anytime within that year. Wonderful. And uh, you've also got a great gift shop, don't you? We do lots of lots of great books there, including books on railways, um, and and lots of souvenirs and gifts as well. All right, Heather. Well, I appreciate you taking some time to talk to us about this, especially since uh, the museum's open uh, right now. So uh, you have to make it happen. Uh, do some shuffling around to make it happen. So thank you, Heather, very much. Thank you. That's uh, Heather Schoblum, the curator of the Fort St. John North Peace Museum. We'll be right back to wrap things up on Moose Talks after this. This year, M&M Food Market is celebrating 40 years of helping Canadians put delicious meals on the table. They offer the best easy-to-prepare, top-quality foods with personalized customer service. They also offer one of the best franchise packages out there for you. Ever wanted to help Fort St. Johners put delicious food on the table? Are you hungry for new opportunities? M&M Food Market has a franchise opportunity for you right here in Fort St. John. Email store337 at mmfoodmarket.com or visit their location at the north end of the Totem Mall. You're shopping around for an automobile. Come see Ford City Chrysler. You're trying to find the very best deal. Looking for a fine pre-owned vehicle? Ford City Chrysler has cars, trucks, minivans, and SUVs. Four-wheel drive pickups and diesels, too. Many with remaining factory warranty. And they're all quality inspected and ready to go. At Ford City Chrysler, you're buying from your hometown dealer. No pressure, no hassles, just honesty and integrity. Only at Ford City Chrysler. Only in Fort St. John. Quiznos has brought back their Greek gyro. Enjoy seasoned beef and lamb, crumbled feta, banana peppers, crisp lettuce, and red onions topped with tzatziki sauce on a flatbread, sub, sammy, or in a salad. The Greek gyro is back. Try one today at Quiznos, beside Walmart. Our community first. This is Moose Talks with Dub Craig on Moose FM. Our thanks again to our guests today, Tim Repas and Heather Shoblum. If you missed uh, this episode or if you'd just like to see it again, the video will be available to watch again shortly on the Moose FM or EnergeticCity.ca Facebook pages. You can also download the podcast version of this show at EnergeticCity.ca slash Moose Talks. That does it for this episode. Adam Ray Burns pushing the buttons behind the scenes. I'm Dub Craig. Be fine. Join us next Friday at 10 a.m. for another episode of Moose Talks, a weekly talk show about Fort St. John and the North Peace. This is Moose Country.
P. Johnson on a flat bottom metal boat. Coke cans and BB guns, barbed wire and old fence posts. Eight point bucks in autumn and freshly cut cornfields. One arm out the window and one hand on the wheel. Some things just go better together and probably always will. Like a cup of coffee and a sunrise, Sunday drives and time to kill. What's the point of this old guitar if it ain't got no strings? Pouring your heart into a song that you ain't gonna sing. It's a match made up in heaven, like good old boys and beer and me. As long as you're right here. Your license in my wallet when we go out downtown. Your lipstick stained every coffee cup that I got in this house. The way you say I love you too is like rain on an old tin roof. And your hand fits right into mine like a needle in a groove. Some things just go better together and probably always will. Like a cup of coffee and a sunrise, Sunday drives and time to kill. What's the point of this old guitar if it ain't got no strings? Or pouring your heart into a song that you ain't gonna sing. It's a match made up in heaven, like good old boys and beer and me, as long as you're right here. Sometimes we're oil and water, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And if I'm being honest, your first and my last name would just sound better together. And probably always will, like a cup of coffee and a sunrise. Sunday drives and time to kill. What's the point of this old guitar? If it ain't got no strings, or pouring your heart into a song that you ain't gonna sing, it's a match made up in heaven, like good old boys and beer and me, as long as you're right here, and me, as long as you're right here. A drunk girl's mood, the shape of the moon, that know-it-all teenage attitude. The price of gas, the price of smokes, no, they don't stay the same. Sure All the things are frozen time around here. We still go to church and then drink beer. Some things do, but some things never change. We still like one of We still raise some hell. We still show up drunk to something thinking you can't tell. Keep a chain tucked in the truck, bad cause we're 
Beatles. Red, white, and blue, and Jesus saves. Thank God that some things never change. That's true. The SCC or ACC, how high you cut them cut off jeans. How good your truck is at picking up them FM waves. Oh, but as for us out in the sticks, you can't teach an old bird dog new tricks. It's okay, but some things never change. Never change. Good morning. I'm your midday host, Sean Tay. I want you to know about I want to know about your cooking fails. Kind of like how I just failed talking there. Have you ever lit something on fire before? Have you tried making cookies and it turned into hockey pucks? It doesn't matter the story. I want to hear it. I'll tell you some of my stories right after the next break. So make sure you stay tuned. But for now, please text me your stories on the Fort City Chrysler text line 250-800-2360. Or if you want to hear more of my lovely voice, please call Moose FM at 250-787-2222. Need new flooring but overwhelmed by your options? Want a quality product without breaking the bank? Who can save you from the frustrations of choosing a new floor? Look no further than your friendly Floors First flooring expert at Bronze Flooring. You can trust our knowledgeable staff to listen to your needs, provide expert advice, and deliver top-notch service. Choose from a huge selection of quality brand names including Schneer Richmond, Firm Fit, Long Plank, and Schneer Laurentian Hardwood. From planning to expert installation, you are in good hands with Bronze Flooring. Visit us today at the Big Bronze Building on 96th Avenue. Vehicle has worked really hard for you. From helping you take the kids to school to you showing it off to your friends. It definitely deserves a break with Moose FM's dirtiest vehicle, fueled by Murray GM. Enter now at moosefm.ca and you could win a free detailing package from Murray GM in Fort St. John. We will pick a new winner at the end of each month. Moose FM's sturdiest vehicle is fueled by Murray GM. This community update is brought to you by the Fort St. John Co-op. You're at home here. Have a community event coming up? Want it featured on our community events calendar? Email us at reception at moosefm.ca. 
It's true. Our real name is CKFUFM. Boy, do we get teased for it in school. Since this is Moose Country, you can call us 100.1 Moose FM. Your weather is sponsored by Murray GM. Weather is brought to you by Murray GM. Murray GM, Fort St. John, serving Western Canada for over 90 years. Moose Country Weather. Today, it's looking like we have a beautiful sunny Friday. It's going to be 5 degrees out there. Saturday, it's going to be kind of cloudy, but still sunny at 4. Sunday, it gets to a really nice warm 8 degrees, and it's also semi-cloudy. Don't worry, though. Saturday's the only night that looks bad. It'll be one with chance of showers. It's a 60% chance, so not high. Outside the moose right now, it is 3. Ooh, nice and warm. 100.1 Moose FM I got the good If you got the time I got the moon If you got the shine I got the bad If you got the beat Got your solid gold Country 33 on my feet Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.